Ding. Uh, thank you for coming out tonight, and thank you for uh, tuning in uh, online. Um, I'll open uh, our service in a word of prayer, and uh, then I'll hand it over to uh, Samuel, who is our preacher tonight. So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this night you've given to us. Thank you that we can uh, set aside uh, this time in the middle of our week uh, to, to pray together uh, and then to be taught uh, from your word. Uh, I do thank you uh, for Samuel. Thank you for the study uh, that he's put in. And uh, Lord, as he shares your word, uh, Lord, I pray that he would know uh, the filling of the spirit. And uh, Lord, please you know, help us as the hearers to have um, you know, dealt with known sin. Help us to you know, lay aside uh, all distractions and all hindrances. And our uh, Lord, please you know, grant to us the grace uh, that we need to both hear and apply your word. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank, thank you, Samuel. haven't already um there's an outline there on the front back front row you can grab that it may help good evening um if you can turn with me to the book of jonah the book of jonah uh, that's where we'll be spending our time tonight. Um, imagine you were given the opportunity to make a trip. Free of cost, imagine you were granted this chance of travelling around the world without paying a cent, with only one condition, the condition of bringing with you the person that irritates you the most. Would you take that trip? Would you take that person along for this free ride? Have you ever noticed how difficult it can be sometimes to extend grace to others, even when we have been so graciously treated? Isn't it hard sometimes when we ourselves have a bounty of grace in our lives? Tonight we'll see in the scriptures a man who struggled with God's grace, not for himself, but for others. Jonah, while in himself and in his own people, had received so much grace from God, still had a hard time extending the same grace to other sinners such as himself. Jonah's name means dove. He's described in the Bible as the son of Amittai, whose name means the truth. The book of Jonah is quite different from the other books of the minor prophets. It's a little bit more like the history of Elijah, the book of Jonah has no direct prophecies, which is rare, and yet the experience that it records is a great prophecy. While Jonah was a foreteller to Israel, his written message that we have in the Bible concerns Nineveh. Despite Israel's prophecy uh, prosperity, I should say, under Jeroboam II, Assyria's growth and conquest made her a nation to be feared, and Nineveh was one of the largest and strongest cities of that day. Let's first turn to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. We read, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, 
and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Here at the outset, we begin to see God's character. God is compassionate and merciful. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. This seems like a regular beginning for any prophetic book. The name of Jehovah, a covenantal name, Lord in capital letters. We read there in verse 1. This reminds us of the relationship between God and his people. God who keeps his promises. God who provides. Israel knew God as Jehovah because of his covenantal love. It was because of his covenantal love that they were freed from slavery in Egypt. It was because of this covenantal love that they had a kingdom that resembled a kingdom that shall have no end. It was because of his covenantal love that they were taken into a promised land. You see, this relationship, this singular relationship between Jehovah God and his people is an exclusive relationship. However, what is striking is that in verse 2, this relationship does not hinder God to notice what is going on in other parts of the world. An Israelite prophet is being sent to preach God's word to a pagan nation. Now, if you remember, there are two things about Nineveh. Firstly, indeed, it was a great, great city. For several times, it was the capital of the ancient Assyrian Empire. It was a stronghold of civilization, of art, of literature, of military might. It was a jewel of the Assyrian Empire. But there was a second thing that characterized Nineveh. Wickedness. While Nineveh was very powerful, very intelligent, being a city marked by science and culture, it was also marked by a sinful lifestyle. And the Ninevites were known to be fierce, cruel soldiers in war. And this is the very first thing that should impress us at the beginning of this book. Jonah, an Israelite prophet, a prophet of the only true God, who has a specific and special relationship with his people, is now being called to extend grace, mercy, to a nation who is pagan, a nation who doesn't have a relationship with Jehovah. This great God of heaven, who has a special relationship with Israel, also loves and cares for those who are outside Israel. Now, the mission of Jonah is also very startling. Jonah is called to cry out against this city. There's a specific mission to challenge a sinful people, preaching that convicts hearts, preaching against sin, preaching which isn't just to tickle the ears of listeners and telling them what they'd like to hear. Think about it. You're being called to preach directly, boldly, in the midst of a violent people. Jonah may experience threats. Jonah may experience violence. And Jonah is being called by God to preach against that city, to reveal their wickedness. Because, as we read in verse 2, their wickedness is come up before God. God is aware of all things because he governs all things. God knows the wickedness that characterizes Nineveh. And this is Jonah's mission, to cry out against them. What's interesting in this passage is that the same description fits a different situation. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18 beginning at verse 20. You'll see that 
the very same language we found in Jonah we find here towards two different cities. Genesis 18, verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. Notice the similarity between Nineveh and Sodom and Gomorrah. As the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah came up unto God, he destroys them. Jehovah God is gracious because he's not giving what Nineveh deserves, but he's sending Jonah, the son of Amittai, to give a message, one that they really need. Now, a bit of historical context. 2 Kings 14 tells us that Jonah was a prophet of the northern kingdom. It's very important to understand this because it tells us of Jonah's relevance in this whole story. Remember that the northern kingdom had its capital, Samaria. Jeroboam II was an evil king. And as we look at the text, we see that amid the wickedness of Jeroboam, Jonah prophesied grace, mercy, and repentance to his own people. The choice that the Lord makes to preach to this nation, Nineveh, is absolutely appropriate. He chooses a prophet who preached grace to a wicked nation. And now Jonah is being called to preach to yet another wicked nation, just like Israel. Jehovah God is compassionate in giving Nineveh that which she needs, a prophet to confront their sin instead of destroying her like he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. And do you notice any similarity here in the first two verses of Jonah with our own lives? Isn't that exactly your story, my story? Isn't that exactly the story of the church? For all Christians here sitting in the pews tonight, listening to God's word being preached. We all once deserved sin, hell and destruction, eternal death. And that's why we don't ask God to give us what we deserve, because what we deserve is sin, hell and destruction. And that is why we pray for his mercy and his grace, for him to respond to us according to his loving kindness. Are you grateful this evening? As we are reminded once again that we are such as Nineveh, such as Israel during Jeroboam's times. We are guilty sinners who deserve the justice and wrath of God upon us. But he dealt with us not according to what we deserved, but according to what we needed. And we were given a more excellent prophet, weren't we? We were given the prophet who truly is the Son of God. We were given a prophet who can really preach to us the words of life and who has restored to us full communion with our God. And the same gratitude that should mark our hearts should have marked Jonah's heart and led him to faithful ministry and service. Utter gratitude for preaching grace in a time of sinfulness and receiving mercy in a time when justice should be upon him. This should have led Jonah immediately into serving the Lord in this way, but he didn't. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 we read, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord.
Jonah is the only prophet we read of the, in the scriptures who tried to suppress, withhold, and conceal his message. Jonah is seen throughout this book as someone who is fleeing from God's will. Christian tonight is the mercy that you received and that which you did not deserve, leading you to service. As you rejoice in the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ, are you submitting yourself to this great God? Or are we like Jonah, as he tells us to go west, we go east. When he tells us to do A, we do B. You see, as we develop and as we understand how grateful we should be for the mercy and compassion that God reveals to us, our gratitude should be manifest in servitude. God showed grace to this prophet, and this is what he hated, the message of grace to the heathen. In a moment, God will forgive even the worst of adulterers, murderers, idolaters. How can it be? It's grace. Grace, never so precious than the moment in which we realize we need it. Do you know what was hidden in Jonah's heart? Here, we can see there was inconsistency in his heart. Inconsistency with his faith, with his belief and trust in God, with his very personal understanding of grace. Considering what we already know now about Jonah, who knows the mercy of God, Jonah knows that God is merciful, even to those who are sinful. Jonah is not being consistent with his own theology. He is not pursuing the same grace that he had received and extending it to others. In, what, in chapter 1, verse 3, notice how meticulous Jonah is in his disobedience. He goes down to Joppa. He finds a ship. He pays a fare. He goes down in the ship towards the land of Tarshish. Do you notice a pattern here? This is a planned action away from God. Jonah had time to put aside money to pay for the fare. He had a specific direction and place in mind. He had the way to get there and the means to get there, away from God with a firm resolve. Dear brethren, search yourselves. Are you treading in the path of Jonah? As you sit here this evening, does this characterize your walk in this world? Are you pursuing a path of selfishness and self-gratification, even when you know what to do? Do you pursue what you want to do? Do you have the means to pursue it? And is that which you pursue against the word of God? You know what's striking about verse 3? At this point, there is nothing hindering Jonah. Yes, we know afterwards there'll be a storm. But right now, there's nothing holding him back from pursuing this path. He makes his plans. He puts money in his pocket. There's a sense of victory here, isn't there? I won, says Jonah. That's why he goes down into the ship, sound asleep. He's assured that he's having his way. Jonah withholds God's good news for Nineveh. While verses 1 to 3 display to us a compassionate and merciful God, who is reaching out to sinners in his grace, it also shows us our own inconsistency. For we too are sinful and merciless aren't we? Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're living in sin and you find no impediment to it. Is that who you are? You have a Christian looking exterior. You talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. But no one knows. So far you haven't been caught. You're getting away with it. Your success in living in secret 
doesn't mean that God is not looking at you. Your ability to get away with it doesn't mean that God will not reach you. Be attentive, for although Jonah pursued a path of disobedience, and he did find a path without hindrance, a storm came his way. God will deal deal with you in your sin, and that day will be a terrible day. Therefore, repent tonight. Confess your ways. Go home in your own room between you and God and desire to abandon those ways. Just like God received Nineveh with grace, he will receive you also. Be advised, when it seems like you're getting away with it, there is no real success. There is no real victory. Flee from sin. It's very easy at this point to place ourselves in a position of privilege. Well, Jonah really is a terrible character, isn't he? To some, Jonah seems like a petulant man. He doesn't want God to show grace to Nineveh. But it's more than petulance. God has called Jonah out of his divine compassion and grace to preach to this people. But isn't that exactly how we live sometimes? Our selfishness leads us to say no to parents, no to school teachers, church leaders, and say yes to all that we want. But tonight, brethren, we are called to repentance. We are called to stop and to abandon our own spiritual inconsistency. For we too have been given much grace, and we too have been called to extend much grace. We too declare that Jehovah is our Lord, but we too also pursue our paths and desires, disregarding God's revelation in his word. Shall we not plead to the Lord as the psalmist in Psalm 86? Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Or James in James 4.8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We don't want divided hearts. We don't want double-minded hearts. As we contemplate his compassion and his mercy, God reveals to us our own sinful inconsistency. And that's why we need Christ. That's why we ought to be grateful for our own prophet. For, different from Jonah, instead of rising up to flee, Jesus rose up from his heavenly throne to come down. Not down to a ship, not down to a different path, but right down here to earth, so that he would die for sinners such as us, so that he would preach the kingdom of God and the reconciliation for all those who repent of their sin and acknowledge Christ as Saviour. Let us praise the Lord that even for inconsistent sinners such as us, Christ extends his grace. Christ's blood is applied to us. Christ's cross redeemed us and washes us thoroughly from all our unrighteousness. Let us, let us be thankful for a greater than Jonah that was given to us. Not a runaway prophet, but a prophet who embraced and conquered death so that we may live his own life. Perhaps you sit here overwhelmed by your sin. Nobody knows you're living in sinful patterns, but you do. And perhaps you sit here tonight and you're worn out, exhausted by all that resisting, and you ask yourself, is there any solution for me? Well, this book reminds us that if there is grace and compassion for Nineveh, 
Yes, certainly, there is grace and compassion for you tonight. You see, for all those who come before him, repenting of their sins, seeking grace, seeking mercy, there is always grace available, sufficient, overflowing. So do not despair, dear brothers and sisters, if you're battling sin tonight. Rejoice that this great and glorious God is full of compassion and he refrains from giving sinners who repent that which they deserve and gives them that which they need. And this leads us to God teaching us through circumstances. We read in chapter 1, verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Of the many ways that God has been a teacher to me, the first way was through my father and mother. And I've had faithful teachers over the years, and I've had the impact of biblical preaching to mould me. But I think that one of the other ways that has had a lasting impact on my life is how God has taught me through the circumstances of life. They became the teacher. And this is what we see in this account of Jonah. For the first of four times in the book, we read that when Jonah was thrown overboard, and that could have been the end of the story, we are told that the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Isn't it something that when we are on the run from God, for one reason or another, that we should have died or gotten crushed, overpowered, but God prepared something, someone to talk to us? We read in Psalm 23 that God prepares a table and providence is always preparing for us. But this here isn't a preparation of luxury. This isn't a preparation to meet the need. It is when God prepares something to teach us in our stubbornness. It's when God uses a thing. Sometimes it's the only thing that can be used. Our stubbornness is deep. Our pride is high. So God in his providence must prepare something uniquely for us to swallow us up and to stop us in our path and cause us to think for some time. Has God ever prepared the belly of a fish for you, when it, where it was dark, where the seaweed was wrapped around your head and the billows overwhelmed you, something in your life that was not right, and God had perhaps brought a sermon after sermon for you? There was no stirring and permanent response, so God had to prepare something, and he took you down to the bottom of the ocean. Blessed is the day when we learn that lesson. And Jonah may have come out of there earlier if he had learnt the lesson earlier. This was a proud, proud Jew. Sometimes circumstances sent to teach us linger on because we will not yield to what God is teaching us. Chapter 2, verse 9, and it is only here at this point. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, praise Jonah. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. When he uttered those words, it's by grace. That's when the fish got rid of him. Sometimes we just go through the circumstance and do not believe that God is trying to teach us. But it is something he prepared personally, uniquely, tailor-made for you. Just the right belly, just the right fish, 
just the right timing. He condescended graciously and mercifully and prepared it for you. Even Jonah needed grace, and yet he hated for the Gentiles to receive it. But when they did repent deeply, and God saw it, he turned and repented of the evil. We read in chapter 4 that this dear man, in his exceeding displeasure and anger, prayed to the Lord yet again. Did not I tell you this? Therefore, or because of this, I fled before unto Tarshish. Why? For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil, or very much the truth. How we tend to forget quickly. Jonah says, I knew you were gracious God. Well, yes, that's the reason why the fish vomited you out, Jonah. But he prayed now for God to take his life, because he didn't want those Gentiles to be blessed. Why did Jonah flee from God? We're told the reason here, finally, in chapter 4. Jonah wanted to preach, but he didn't want to preach to Nineveh, because he believed that if they did repent, God would not send a judgment, and Jonah wanted these people to be judged. So, he was afraid that the people would respond in repentance. Jonah was afraid that if he preached, the people would repent. Have you ever met a preacher who preached with the hope that people would not repent? That was Jonah. He did not want them to repent. He didn't want God to be merciful. He wanted God to destroy these people. But he knew the power of grace, that if they repented, if, convic if conviction accompanied his preaching, then God would be merciful. And sure enough, God was merciful. So it wasn't that God, Jonah was cold, or Jonah didn't want to preach at all. Yes, he had an inconsistent and divided heart. He experienced grace on a personal level. And now, in chapter 4, it is finally revealed to us why. He knew the power of the gospel. And Nineveh was, we're told further on in the book of Nahum, it was a bloody city. They celebrated the blood of those that they conquered, they were a wicked, wicked city. But these people would repent. And the preservation of Nineveh meant the eventual conquest and destruction of Israel. Supposing they go back on God, that was another burden of Jonah. These Gentiles are just going to disappoint you time and time again. And Nineveh did over a hundred years later. But we read in chapter 4 verse 5 to 6. So Jonah went out of the city. He's still expecting God to rain down fire and brimstone. And Jonah sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow, till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God now prepared something else for Jonah. He prepared a gourd, and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now this time, God's preparation was not to get a hold of him in such a state that Jonah would have to do a lot of thinking. But now God is approaching it differently. This time God prepares a gourd, that it comes up over Jonah 
to be a shadow over him amidst the heat. And we read in Jonah's grief and pouting, this gourd came up and shaded him. He didn't plant it himself, but it was a shade to him, and Jonah was glad. But then God, after preparing a gourd, prepared a worm to smite the gourd. And sometimes, in our stubbornness, our pouting, our bitterness, God prepares a blessing. And it comes into our life, and we do not think of the way we were, we just give thanks. Wow, what a blessing. And then God can take that blessing away just as quick as he gave it. And that's what God did. He prepared a gourd, he prepared a worm to wither that gourd. And then we find in verse 8 that God prepared a fourth thing. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And verse 9, God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Jonah's love of his country and hatred of idolatry made his mission distasteful to him. He had no sympathy with God's plan to save a Gentile nation, so God had to deal with him miraculously in order to compel his obedience. His dismay at Israel's dark future, now that Nineveh is spared, so overcomes him that he prays for his life to be taken away. Even now, when God prepared a fish, a gourd, a worm, an east wind, Jonah hasn't quite learned grace for Nineveh. The picture of this prophet reluctantly reviewing the repentant city from his booth on the east side of the city is in sharp contrast to that of our gracious Lord weeping over his enemies in Jerusalem. Luke 19, 41-44 and when he was come near, he beheld the city, and Jesus wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Matthew 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her ch chickens under her wings, and ye would not. This was Jesus showing genuine compassion for his children. What a contrast. The result of Jonah's prophecy was the repentance of this pagan city. This was an object lesson to Israel. Despite Israel's knowledge of the only true God, despite God's many blessings and deliverances on her behalf, the nation was steeped in idolatry. The prophets warned of judgment, but... Israel turned a deaf ear. God then sent a fourth teller to a pagan nation, which would repent of its wickedness at just one proclamation of judgment. And this nation repented. 
And as Israel has rejected God's prophets, they later rejected his only begotten son. The book then closes with these words of the Lord. Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not laboured, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, and perished in a night. And should not I, says God, spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? This is the revelation of the heart of God to which the whole book has been moving and the purpose of its writing. And as soon as this point has been reached, the book closes. We are not told what Jonah has said or did after this, for Jonah was not intended to be last in our minds at the close of this book. Rather, we are left in the presence of God, face to face with this moving revelation of the divine and his compassion. To some, the book seems to end with an abruptness. But no, don't miss the one real purpose of this precious book. It is to reveal to us God. Jonah needed to learn that God's special favour towards Israel did not, did not mean a lessened love for other people. Jonah needed to learn that Israel was chosen not just for Israel's sake, but to fulfil a divine purpose, the blessing of all people. Do I learn well? Do you learn well from your teachers in class and teachers through life circumstances? Have we repeated the same problem because of stubbornness? When God personally and graciously prepares something to teach us. And when God brings blessings and takes them away, do we become upset? There's got to come a day that we should not have the luxury anymore of feeling sorry for ourselves. After a while, your grief makes no sense. After a while, your lack of insight makes no sense. We ought to be spiritually at a great hour, setting our minds and hearts on things above. Sanctification ought to be our goal, and what a goal that is. But if we're not, then God will keep bringing back the fish and the gourd and the worm and the wind. And it's evident that Jonah, at least by the end of this book, has not learnt his lesson. God left him in verse 11 with a question that had no answer. Imagine for a moment that one day a family is going through a trial, a circumstance of need, and a child is playing with a toy fully content, and the father and mother might be talking in another room. I don't know how we're going to get through this. And after a while, the child, without looking up, playing with the toy, says, Mum, Dad, God will meet the need. And that's all that the child says. That should be like an arrow striking the heart. God, I should have known that. Will I spend all my life trying to learn lessons that I should have learned in the early years of my Christian walk? Will I have to spend all my life learning that which I should have learnt in the childhood of Christianity? It means that we aren't going through circumstances well. We've got to come out of them saying, I was taught of God today, and I hope I will never forget that lesson he taught me in the things he prepared just to teach me.
Has God taught you recently that everywhere you turned, there was God and the conviction of your heart? Or have you in your pride, God blessed you with something, but he took it away? Do you have any right to say anything about that God? There are some lessons we hope we learn through his word that we don't have to go through another circumstance to learn it yet again. It is a painful way to be taught. And the only reason that we make it through is that God was gracious. God was gracious. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for teaching us out of your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your word has a divine author. We thank you that it can accurately pinpoint what we need. And Lord, we thank you for Jonah and the account uh, found in your book. And we thank you for the precious lessons that we can learn from how you show grace compassion to all. We pray, Lord, that we will take up the challenge tonight, and we pray that uh, just as you taught Jonah, that you would continue to teach us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>